Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. It is time for Movies and Booze. We are joined by Dean McGuinness, Gene Smullen, Fanula Jones, and Brian Lloyd. Uh, good afternoon. Hello. Uh, dear Walt. Hi. Uh, we'll start with the uh, uh, right down the end of the table uh, with Brian because. Brian's first time uh, yeah. being on one of these things, really. Yes. So uh, uh, you're probably not used to be. You'll know Brian from uh, the adverts in the cinema, from the entertainment.ie adverts. We're sitting there doing a lot of nodding. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, that I didn't even really ask. Good. Like, I mean, I told him, like, don't put me in that. Like, just give it to Austin Butler. But uh, yeah, no, I've actually been here. I actually used to work here. Um, there was no. a night, yeah, there was a nightclub behind here called Time Nightclub, which has been closed a few years now. I used to work there, so. Right. Yeah. There was a few groans in the audience. Yeah, no, it was good ones. Like anyone one. who's been yeah. in Time, yeah, like it was, yeah, it was a very, very Celtic Tiger, put it that yeah. way. Yeah. There's a fellow down there who seems to have remembered that he was there. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good sign. So, uh, what movies today are we talking about? We are talking about Prey, which is a pre uh, Predator prequel, that's a lot of Ps, and uh, Bullet Train, which stars uh, Brad Pitt, and right. set on a train in Japan. Unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. Uh, and Dean, now what beer are we going to be talking about today? We are tasting a single hop pale ale called Mosaic Pale Ale. It's brewed exclusively for uh, Marks and Spencers by Adnams in Suffolk, okay. uh, Ed Sheeran country. Oh, right. Very posh. Very nice. Thank you. And uh, we're doing a red and a white today as we're well, We're doing Jean. a red and white. The white comes from France, from Gascony. So if it's kind of, you go north of Po and east of from Beiritz, it's that, it's Armagnac country. And the white is from Puglia, the heel of Italy, right down in the south on the Adriatic. And, um, sorry, the red is, uh, the Rosso is Italian and it's from Puglia. Right, okay. And we'll be uh, coming along to that white uh, very shortly. Uh, Fanula, in the meantime, uh, now, your woman on Grey's Anatomy doesn't want to be on Grey's Anatomy anymore. She's been saying that for ages. She's but... been saying that for ages to the point that she started a podcast basically to talk about it as well and basically plead with Chandra Rhymes to be like, I don't really actually want to do this show anymore. Um, did she just say no? Yeah, but there's a lot of money doing yeah. Grey's Anatomy, doing 800 episodes a year about people dying and having various ailments. Like, I can understand why it's been hard to leave. Um, but she is taking on a reduced role for the next series, for season 19, because she's going to do this. I don't know if anyone remembers this mad true crime story. The working title is Orphan, but it's a limited series inspired by the true story of uh, Natalia Grace and her US adoptive parents who claimed that she was an adult sociopath pretending to be a child which I'm very intrigued by. Coming to Hulu, so I'd say we'll get it like on now or Sky over here, the equivalent. Um, good enough reason to take a backseat on Grey's Anatomy. She's still going to be in it. But she's only going to be in a couple of episodes. Still acting as narrator, but she's not going to do the voiceover for them all. I would imagine this is kind of the beginning of the end for Grey's because Shanda said previously that there's no Grey's without Ellen Pom Pompeo, but she, she does want to do it. She said it before that she kind of wants to go back into maybe more doing TV. So I think this is her kind of dipping the toe in the water and seeing how it goes. So. This, is, but this is the first time she's been in anything other than Grey's Anatomy in 20 years. Pretty much. I'm open to correction on that. But I mean, it was like the filming for that is kind of pretty Trojan work. Like, so she kind of hasn't really been able to do anything other she than She was that. in a coma for the entirety of the season before that's, last. That's what I mean. Lying in a feckin' bed. Like, how hard is that? She was, in, she was in a coma for that season. <laughs> then they sent her off to Minnesota. I don't know what yeah. they're going to do in this season, but yeah, she's, she's on the way out. She's no, one she says she wants to go back to Minnesota. I yeah. know all about Grey's Anatomy. Oh, do you? Yes, I do. Oh yeah. my well, God. Well, not all of it, but I don't know the names of any of the characters. For okay. Instance, but uh, I know that. That is you know, not something that I would have thought about you. That's very yeah. interesting. It's not something I volunteer for. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's, that, it's that or sleep in the car. Okay. You know, so. Fair, fair. Sometimes I sleep in the car, I'll yeah. be honest with you. <laughs> 
uh, Ellen Pompey was in Friends in a flashback scene with Ross and Chan Chandler, the only other thing I've seen her in. Says a text. Yeah, when I think about her like filmography or anything she's done, I can't, I literally cannot think of anything Bear Grace. I know she probably, she was in stuff Bear Grace, but I just, it totally escapes me, so. It'll be interesting to see her because this is, that is such an interesting story, that Natalia Grace thing, so we'll be looking out for that for sure. Yeah, the old plastic surgery is starting to, the face. Sean, I'm not I'm indulging sorry. in that conversation. No, I think she is. looks great. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you just, you can overdo it. <laughs> We need to get on to the plastic surgeons in whatever that hospital is. In Sometimes Greece, she me. looks like, depends on the lighting, it looks John. like she's just been with Conor McGregor uh, <laughs> and it's been a grudge match. Anyway. Let's talk about wine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about wine. Yes, What's the, uh, what are we talking about now? Okay, and everybody has a, a, has a glass. And it's, first of all, it's Sauvignon Blanc, um, which is one of the most, in fact, it is the most popular grape variety on the Irish market. And um, cons between, in the last five years, consumption of Sauvignon Blanc increased by 65%. Literally, it, it walks away. The, the next most popular white grape variety is Pinot Grigio, but it's Sauvignon. We love Sauvignon in this country. So what this is, this is the 2020 vintage. It's the Marks and Spencer's gold label Sauvignon Blanc. It's eight euro. And it's from what we call the Côte de Gascoigne, which is Gascony, which is what the region is most famous for Armagnac, which is, uh, a, you know, a distilled, it's distilled wine. It's, it's brandy for all intents and purposes. There's Cognac, which is up further north, and then there's Armagnac. Those are, those are the two brandy regions. But they also produce an awful lot of um, what we call IGP wine, um, which is basically country wine from a specified area. This was a category developed in France in 1973 to sort of make a, a quality wine that was just a level up from table wine. So they call it um, uh, Indication Geographique Protégé, but it's easier just to say IGP. And if you see that on a label, it basically means it's quality wine from a, a, from a, a specified area, which technically means that Sauvignon Blanc is not native to this region. Sauvignon Blanc uh, comes from the Loire, and you'll also find it in Bordeaux. So it, the grape variety isn't a native grape to the region, so they can't make it as a quality, as an AOP wine. But you get great value, particularly from areas like Gascony and also in the south of France. So um, Gascony has a cool climate. I mean, you're, on, you're in Mediterranean France, arguing Beiritz is just on the Atlantic Ocean. You're a bit further inland, but you've got what we call a maritime climate. So there's not a huge amount of sunshine. This isn't wall-to-wall -wall sunshine. This is sunny spells and scattered showers, <laughs> which means it's cooler. And so you get fresher grapes. So um, it's, it's very, very good, particularly for white wine, which is why a lot of um, companies, including Marks and Spencers, go to this region to source wines. Um, this is actually made by uh, a lady called Belinda Klenning, who studied in um, uh, Adelaide. In, she's Australian. So she's like the house winemaker uh, working for Marks and Spencer. So what you have is somebody who's learned to make wine in the New World, making wine in a cool climate in France. And the first thing that came across when I tasted this wine was loads of fruit, lovely tropical fruit. Like she's a very good winemaker and she's made this very, very well. You also get the lovely acidity, which is so much a part of Sauvignon Blanc, which is why everybody loves this grape variety because it's actually an acidic grape variety. So if you stick your nose in the in the glass, you're not getting that grassy theol kind of asparagus grassiness. You're getting more ripe tropical fruit on the nose. But when you taste it, 
the acidity is there. It's like you're salivating. You suddenly, it's like biting into a Granny Smith apple. You start to salivate. That's your acidity. That's what people like when they taste wines like this. And then there's a gorgeous melon, tropical, you know, um, really full mouthfeel fruit in there. For eight euro, that's great value. That's, I think that's uh, super. Uh, that, that, Do, that's does everybody problem. like it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they have to say the that, that they just, do. <laughs> Here, do you want mine, dear? Okay, there's a woman there with an empty glass. Is that because you uh, weren't given any, or you just necked it back already? No, all right. <laughs> we can all draw our own conclusions from that, uh, uh, for sure. Now, uh, normally, as, as you know, I've already be, I, I call out people in the audience, and uh, we give them prizes. Um, and two of the people we're going to call out were Colm and Pamela Connolly. And the reason why is that uh, today is the anniversary of their first date back in 2010. Oh. But Colm reckoned that Pamela wouldn't remember that. <laughs> then we got a text saying that their car broke down. <laughs> we suspect what happened is that perhaps Colm cracked and told Pamela what he had planned to do. And uh, Pamela went into a total rager and Colm's actually sleeping in the car. <laughs> <laughs> the, car the wheels have been taken off the car. So, uh, so unfortunately, they're not here. But we are, well, we are we're going to give them two tickets to go and see Gorillas at the Three Arena later this month. We'll pop them in the post to them. And uh, hopefully, they'll get them in time uh, once they've uh, made up and everything. Uh, uh, very quickly, uh, Fanula, Joker 2 is confirmed. Yes, um, and Lady Gaga is going to be in it because that were the rumours. Um, she's going to be opposite Joaquin Phoenix. Potentially playing Harley Quinn, not confirmed, because obviously she's the character in that Joker story. Um, it's officially titled Joker Folia Du, which is a madness shared by two, that's French. Um, will be very interesting, I think. I think Gaga wants that Oscar, and I think she's going to do and take on any role she can to get one. She might get one with that Top Gun Maverick song, actually, but if she doesn't, this is her next best ride, I think. So. Uh, right, okay, that, that'll be interesting, actually. None of that's a bad idea. I mean, really. I, didn't, I didn't love the first Joker, but oh. I know other people really did and obviously Joaquin won the Oscar for it. It was like the highest grossing R-rated movie in history. If, any, if anyone can bring me to a theatre to see a sequel to this, it's Gaga, to be honest. I'm obsessed with her, but I don't know. Brian, did you like it? Yeah. I mean, like, no, like, it was, no, it was good. Like, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix gave, like, a very, very worthy performance. He obviously won the Oscar for or whatever, but, like... I don't know, there was something very tiresome about that film. Like it was, I mean, maybe that's the point. Like the film is meant to be this really oppressive. Like you're meant to feel terribly sorry for a joker and all this kind of stuff. And he's, but he ends up just, he ends up just being a sad sack. You know, that kind mm, of way. Like, yeah. I mean, like, no, but do you know what I mean? Like you, like, you think back to like Jack Nicholson or even go further back to Cesar Romero in the TV series, like, and he was fun. And that was the whole kind of the enjoyment of it. And even when Heath Ledger played it, I mean, Okay, yeah, fine, Heath Ledger was playing a more kind of like a terrorist or something like that, but there was still that kind of edge of humour in it, whereas in Joker and Joaquin Phoenix, like, he was just a terrible stand-up comedian. Like. Yeah, and if just, you kept thinking, if somebody had just given him a kick in the arse. Yeah, I mean, point, just, We wouldn't like, have to have, have this movie. You know, before. just yeah. slap him around. Yeah. You know, give, give him the back of the hand or something. <laughs> like, but, yeah. We do not stand over uh, Brian's uh, <laughs> <laughs> of child abuse. Yes, mental uh, health is important, but, yeah, like, come on. <laughs> right, okay, we do take a break back in a couple of minutes. And you are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. 
You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstock.com. We are coming to you today from the Osprey Hotel in Nace with our thanks to our, our friends in Marks and Spencer. Dean, Jean, Fanula and Brian are, are still with us. Dean, we'll start off with you and uh, what's the beer we're talking about? So, yeah, today we're tasting Mosaic Pale Ale. This is a beer brewed exclusively for uh, Marks and Spencer's by Adams. Uh, Marks take an interesting approach to the way that they do their range of beers. Um, they've partnered up with a number of breweries and rather than having the beer brewed and it just being a kind of a Marks and Spencer's own label, uh, they do it as a collaboration with the brewery. Mm. So there's a, a nice Irish connection with this. The uh, head brewer and production director in Adnams down in the south of England is a man called Fergus Fitzgerald, who originally hails from Limerick and has pretty much tried to empty the Great British Beer Festival after Limerick won the All-Ireland. Um, he was at it over the weekend, and I think he, he did a serious dent into the, the stocks of beers at it. But um, superb brewer. He's been brewing with them for about 25 years now. And uh, Adnams is known for beers like Ghost Chip, and they've also done some single hop uh, pale ales. Uh, they've done a superb one called Citra. Uh, this one is brewed with a hop called Mosaic. Uh, so the base of the beer, because it's pale ale, it uses uh, pale-coloured malt and, and uh, wheat malt, and that gives a, a kind of a nice, crisp, digestive biscuit, uh, wheat cracker base to it. But mosaic gives you a whole range of different uh, fruit flavours, tropical fruit, stone fruit, uh, berry fruit, uh, citrus, all in it. So you get a kind of melon, apricot, uh, peach in the aroma, and then as you're tasting it, you get a certain amount of strawberry, uh, kiwi fruit, a little bit of lime uh, into it. Uh, there's an interesting thing as well with um, the beers brewed at Adnams. They're using uh, house yeast for all of the beers. Uh, so the yeast is the organism that reacts with the sugars in the beer and uh, turns the sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. Their house yeast is a two-strain yeast, and uh, they think that there may be a little bit of a Belgian influence on it. One of the strains is what's called a puff-positive yeast. So it's a, oh. a strain of yeast that develops uh, phenolic flavors that you would normally associate with uh, Belgian beers or with German wheat uh, beers. So phenolic flavors are flavors like cinnamon, nutmeg, clove, uh, things like that. With this, it comes through as a kind of a gingerbread counterbalancing uh, flavor in the beer, so it has kind of a nice little bit of spice, little bit of heat in it, not, not heat as in mm, kind yeah. of overpowering chilli heat or anything like that, but just a little bit of kind of spiciness uh, in it. Absolutely superb job uh, done on the beer. Uh, the hop that they're using, Mosaic, it's a hop that's just been around for about 10 to 12 years. Um, they brought two uh, hop plants together. Um, hops are an unusual plant. You get male hop plants and female hop plants, uh, so you can bring a daddy hop plant and a mommy hop plant together and get a different hop plant. That's beautiful. That's, that? <laughs> That's a life I'm learning here. Yeah. So in, in, in this Dean case. with the kids. <laughs> when a mommy and daddy hop plant love each other very much. So I'm, I'm not quite sure whether a nugget was the daddy hop plant or the mommy hop plant and, and Simcoe uh, was the other one brought together to, uh, to make mosaic and they're doing that with hops. They're looking to see if they can um, bring different uh, hops together and they're uh, developing new hops all the time but with this one they, they've uh, got just an array of fruit flavours that you can get from mosaic that's where the name comes from that it's like a, ah, a mosaic right, of, of fruit flavours okay. and what's the old ABV in it? it's a very respectable 4.2% ok um, well that's great so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's a, a superbly sessionable beer if you're looking for just a straightforward easy beer to drink 
Um, it's, it's a beautiful beer to just kind of have, have a, a few bottles of beer and quaff them back. If you're looking to dissect it, it's quite complex. There's a lot of flavour going on in it, but none of it is punch you in the face. It's yeah. just really accessible. Okay, nice very beer. good. Right, we'll move on uh, to our first movie of the day. And Brian, you were right, I was wrong. Our first movie is Prey. Aha. Here's a clip. There you go. Uh, yeah. I, I should apologize to our radio listeners. That uh, pretty much gives away the entire plot of the film. Oh, yeah, everything, yeah. yeah. Uh, is there any dialogue actually in the rest of it? Or oh, no, there is, sure. And running? I mean, what I would say about it is that it's a very kind of lean, sparse script. Um, I mean, like, you know, if you know anything about Predator, I mean, there was Predator, then there was uh, Predator 2 with Danny Glover. That was in the 90s. Mm. Then there was Alien vs. Predator. Then there was Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Then there was Predators. And then there was The Predator. And now finally we have Prey. Yeah, and I can hear people just being like, right, <laughs> there are no films. But what's interesting about Prey is, is that it just kind of strips that all back. I mean, it's set in the 17th century, or sorry, the 18th century, I should say. And the character you saw there, or heard there running, uh, is Naru. She's a member of the Comanche Nation. And what's going on is her and her brother uh, are living in the tribe. She's desperate to prove herself as a hunter, but she's working as a sort of a medicine woman for the tribe. Uh, her brother is attacked by the predator, um, they don't really know what it is. They think it's some sort of a demon in the woods or something like that. They're not really entirely sure because obviously it has like alien technology. She sets out to find it and track it. And then really the whole film is just this battle of wits over 90 minutes. And, you know, like again, if you watch any of those Predator sequels, they're so burdened down with plot and exposition has mm. to tie into this and tie into that and that, 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 that. Whereas in this, it's just really, it's just one person, battle of wits, trying to survive against this alien creature. And Amber Midthunder as well. The way that she plays it, like, it's not, like, she actually has a fighting chance, you know, that sort of way. She's using her cunning, she's using her wits. It's not like she's got, like, a big, huge, giant machine gun, like, in the yeah. original one, blasting her way through the jungle. This is more like she's trying to actually outsmart it. And I think that actually makes it more, makes it more fun to watch, like, you know, that kind of way, like, how is she going to do it? Um... I mean, I noticed my uh, my colleague, or my counterpart, I should say, in the Irish Times, Tara Brady, she gave it five stars, and I, this is getting really, really positive reviews. The only bad thing I would say about this is, is, and it's not really a bad thing necessarily, but it's on Disney+. Plus. You have to have a Disney Plus subscription that's not being released in cinemas, and that is a crying shame, because I would love to see this in a cinema, you know, in a really good sound system. I mean, I don't care how good your sound system is. I don't care how good your telly is. You cannot replicate a cinema experience. Mm. You just can't, like... Um, and it's a real shame that this isn't being put into cinemas because people are going to miss out on this. Why is it just on Disney Plus then? I would love to know. I would genuinely love to know. I mean, you know, like Disney, obviously, they have like, they really are betting big on streaming. They really are betting big on Disney Plus. You might have heard earlier this week that they, uh, Warner Brothers uh, cancelled this film that was nearly finished. Ah, Girl. Girl. Yeah. yeah. And like, they had spent like 90 million on it. That's just down the Swanee now. And they're not even putting it up. Apparently, they the can office. write it off against tax. That's, I mean, yeah, that's it. 
Disney doesn't do that. Disney just, if, if something is bad, they're like, right, we'll finish it and then put it out. And then if it does well, great. And if it doesn't well, we're Disney, so who cares? Yeah. Um, but this is... <laughs> well, like, I mean, they're Disney. Like, I mean, they, can, we don't, they can just burn money away. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, But with Prey, I mean, I suppose part of the reason probably why they put it on Disney Plus is, is number one... It's kind of in a bit of a lull period for the for the streaming, like as in you know, like they had like they have Andor coming out, which is the new Star Wars series that's coming out in September. Prior to that, they had Obi Wan Kenobi, which you know didn't have the impact that they thought it would. I mean, mm, I, I yeah. liked it, but I know a lot of people didn't like it, and um, so they kind of need something to kind of fit that kind of the August sort of lull. And this is where they went with. Yeah. It. Okay. Would it be the best of the? Uh, the it's the best one movies. since the original, and it's yeah. as good as the original, I would argue. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's 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 pretty near five yeah. star territory then. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, was the original five star? Or, or, well, I mean, or, you know, the place. It, 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 it's a product of its time. You know, yeah. Sort of like Jesse's body, Ventura, and Arnold Schwarzenegger running around the jungle, like you know that kind of way. It's yeah. A product of its. Time. But this is this is like a this is like I would put this on the territory of like Jaws in that it's a thriller. It's like a survival horror thriller kind mm. of. Thing. But yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Does it answer the question why these Egypts st- st- keep coming back to Earth? Seem like but that's the thing. Every See, time there's four the hunters, one. like they're yeah. going for like the big kill, like so they always come to Earth, and like obviously this is like the first time that this aid predator creature has arrived on Earth. Ah, right. So it's like they're like kind of sounding it out, like sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. having a source to let the lads know yeah. what it's like back home. What does Dean do to control the beer farts? Texter wants to know. <laughs> I never get it from wine, but I practically take flight in the house after some of the craft beers I try, says Aidan. My, my wife would love if I could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or just first. So there is no answer then. <laughs> just leave the house. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. blame the dog? I can blame the dog, yeah, and the dog actually farts much more impressively than I do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what dogs are for, yes. essentially, yeah. uh, to be blamed in these kind of situations. So they're going to make a, um, a reboot of Working Girl, Vanilla. Yeah, all the studios are just looking through their libraries and being like, what can we just do again? And Working Girl looks like it's going to be the new one. Uh, Selena Gomez is going to produce, who people will know from Only Murders in the Building. If you're my age, you'll know her from Barney. Um, so it's in final negotiations, nothing uh, on plot or cast, so we don't know if any of... The old guys are coming back, Harrison Ford, Scorny Wiener, Weaver even, Joan Cusack, Melanie Griffith. Kind of makes sense because it made a boatload of money when it was out. And when you look at something like, this isn't a new trend with Top Gun Maverick, but like when you see how well that was received and how much money that made, mm. it's understandable why the studios are like, what have we done before that we can just do again and we'll get the young people in and it'll be great. So we'll see. I don't know. It'll be Hulu, so we'll get it on Disney again. That's another streaming one. So they just don't want to release movies these days for some reason. It's very when was the, Yeah, when was the last time an actual original movie was... Bullet Train. That's original. Yeah, that's original. Well, I mean, it's based on a book, but I mean, yeah, it is yeah. original, yeah. Yeah. But is it a fair criticism that there is way too much of this kind of thing? Well, like, I mean, there's an argument, basically, that, like, studios, because there is just so much content out there at the minute that, like, the reason why studios are favoring... Uh, you know, uh, sequels or, or, or reboots or whatever is because what well, people already have some sort of name connection to it. So they'll think, oh, yeah, I remember Working Girl. Yeah, that was Sigourney Weaver and that weird scene with Melanie Griffin hoovering the place in her knickers. Oh, yeah, I remember that film. Okay, grand, I'll go watch that. Like, it was, that's the thing I remember from Working Girl. But, um, <laughs> I've, I've, it was a young I've, man. I've told on myself I just realised I've told on myself now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, uh, but that's it. Like, I mean, people... 
it's more the idea of like there's just so much content out there that people want studios are favoring stuff to have name recognition and they'll just go towards that like like Fanula was saying like Top Gun Maverick made a boatload of money and it was yeah. really good oh yeah everyone it. says so, it was yeah. yeah so like I mean okay they think right if that worked then well let's go try working girl let's try roadhouse like you know you'll go even for the curiosity of to be like exactly. it be good and even if it's not it doesn't really matter because you've paid already and but then... it's not even go it's just open your disney plus app exactly yeah yeah, yeah and that's it i mean th- that's just like that's just like uh, shop shelves like to just have to keep refreshing it like you know that kind of way to just have to keep making stuff for it like yeah crikey uh we'll move on to our uh, second movie of the day uh this one uh, does have actual words in it it's bullet train here's a clip Good kid, come on. Kid, come on! I can't! My backpack is stuck! Leave it! Let's go! Yeah. Let's go! We gotta go! No, I can't! Right now, young lady! No! No, 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 no! Please come back! Kid, please! I'm scared! I don't want to be alone! Please! I got it. Right, there mm. you go. Okay, so, they're on a train. Yeah, they're on a train. Um, Brian Pl- plays this, I guess you'd call him like a retired assassin, but he's not really retired. He basically took a career break, came back, has a whole new attitude, doesn't want to kill people anymore. Okay, all right, so he was working from home for a while. He was working yeah. from home, yeah, like the rest of us, yeah, you know, yeah. He was like on Teams meetings and what yeah. have you, yeah. We've all done it. Um, but yeah, so he basically, coming back to work, doesn't really want to kill people anymore. His first job back, he basically has to grab a, a briefcase from a bullet train, get off, Simple as, that's it, just snatch and grab. When he gets to the briefcase, it turns out that Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry are these two other assassins who are on the train, are bringing back this criminal warlord's son, played by Logan Lerman, and this briefcase that they have managed to recover as well. It then transpires that there are a load of other different assassins on this uh, bullet train. They're all trying to kill each other for different reasons. Comedy and hijinks ensue. Um, it's directed by a guy called David Leach. Um, people will know John Wick, which is, for my money, the best mm. action franchise of the past 20 years. Um, he co-directed that with a guy called Chad Stileski in the first one, but then after the first one, he went off and made his own films. And he's really become like the in-demand action director. He did Deadpool 2, he did An Atomic Blonde, um, he did Hobbs and Shaw, that Fast and Furious thing. He was like meant to be doing a reboot of Highlander as well and all this kind of thing. So... The problem with this is, is that, you know, John Wick was known uh, for being this really kind of fluid action, as in, like, the camera was always fixed. You know the way when you watch an action film and they cut away and they bring in the stunt person, then he does the mm. big tumbles and flips and whatever. John Wick wasn't like that. It was Keanu Reeves, and you could see him doing everything. But since David Leach has moved on from that, he's steadily gotten, I don't want to say worse, but he's really kind of relied on stunt people and camera tricks and all this kind of stuff, and the action doesn't feel as fluid anymore. Bullet Train is the worst end of it, because there's a lot of CGI, there's a lot of quick cuts, and you can't really kind of follow the action anymore. On top of that, Brad Pitt, I mean, he's not as funny as he thinks he is, and he, this is a sort of action comedy. Oh. I know, but like... Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> Wow. I mean, he's... Yeah. Yes. I heard somebody said he's pretty. He's very, very pretty. Yeah, he's handsome, therefore he's funny. Yeah, yeah. but that doesn't handsome mean... Handsome trumps funny every time. Handsome, handsome will trump funny every time, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. But, um, yeah, like, he's... Uh, yeah, and, like, also, as well, they've got Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Again, a very, very attractive man, I'm told. But uh, not terribly funny. Like, Brian Tyree Henry, again, a very attractive man. Not terribly funny. Um, and they are trying their best, but it just doesn't work. And some of the jokes kind of fall flat. 
And then also as well as the idea of, you know, there's a whole kind of a subplot about fate and they're all meant to meet in this trend and it turns out actually, no, they were all brought there for a specific reason and it just, you know... It's, it's a shame because I really was looking forward to this. I really did want it, this to be good, but it just turned out to be very okay. Like I would say about this film is that you're watching it and you get the sense you've seen it before. It has a real kind of like early 2000s kind of, uh, there was a film Smoking Aces, Quentin Tarantino mm. kind of thing. And Quentin Tarantino isn't even doing this kind of film anymore. Like I, I was talking to somebody before we came on and they said, oh yeah, I, watched, I seen the trailer for it. It reminded me of Kill Bill. It's not as good as Kill Bill at all. Um, but it's trying to ape that thing that was, you know, big 20 years ago. Right, kind of yeah. Gone, like. yeah. Is it, where's the train going? No. I mean, it's... No, no I mean, where's the, where did they oh, get on the, the train? train where's going? it going? Sorry, I thought you said, is it worth getting no. the train to go? No. Oh, no. sorry. <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> you, could, you could cycle a bike. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I mean, walk there. Is yeah, there a yeah. cinema near your train station? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know your life. Yeah. Um, where is the train going? It's going to Kyoto. It's going to Kyoto. It's all set in Japan. Right, okay, but mysteriously it's full of Caucasian hitmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Curious in and of itself. Yeah. In a, yes, really, you would have thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and again, like, it's, it's a thing of, like, it does, like, Japan has always presented the exact same way in American films. Lots of neon, um, people bowing everywhere, everyone's, you know, furtively polite and all this kind of stuff. Whereas if you actually watch Japanese films... It's not, it's presented in a completely different way. There's a brilliant um, series on at the minute on um, Sky Now or Atlantic, I'm going to say. Tokyo Vice, it's called. Directed by Michael Mann. That is set in Japan and the shot how actually Japan looks. Same way, like, when American films, like Wild Mountain Time, for example. Yes, right. It's ridiculous, like, you know, that kind of way. And Japan is kind of presented in that way. It's not terribly original. And again, you've seen it before, so... Yeah. Okay. I wonder if they, the, the, the Japanese get offended by these kind of. I don't think they do. That, no, they, they might do. seem to be. They seem to kind of have a bit of a thick skin about it because this is based on a Japanese novel, and there was initially a bit of concern about you know you're just whitewashing all the characters, and you know why are you just making a Brad Pitt? And the author came out and he said, well, like you know, there's nothing to suggest that these characters can't be Caucasian, that they can't be American or whatever. I mean, it's not specifically alluded to in the book or anything like that. So I mean, and now. In saying that, then you go and look at something like Ghost in the Shell. There was a live-action version of Ghost in the Shell a couple mm. of years ago with Scarlett Johansson, and that was pretty, you know, full-on. Like, that film is set in Japan about Japanese characters, and just all the characters were all, you know, Westerners, like, and stuff like that. Yeah, in Bullet Train, are there any uh, actual Japanese Oh, no, yeah, people? there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, um, who's this brilliant um, Japanese character actor, he's in it. He comes into it in, like, the last, like, kind of, like, 10, 15 minutes of it as well. And, of course, sure enough, he's playing this, like, samurai character that walks around with a, with a cane and everything. <laughs> and then when he springs into action, he's, like, slitting people on, all this kind of stuff. Like, there are some fun moments in it. I will say, like, it's very kind of, like, gory, which is a lot of those kind of, like, samurai kind of action comedy things mm. are. But it... Yeah, it didn't kind of get me as much as I hoped it would. It was a little bit, just trying a little bit too hard, I think. Does Brad Pitt take his shirt off? He does not take his shirt off, oh, sadly. Sad. What's the point? Ooh. I mean, although, like, you know, like, you were, like, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, I mean, you know, like, he looked, do you not think he looked all veiny and, like, uh, he looked like, he didn't look well, like, he looked like he dehydrated. Oh, he looked really ill. Yeah. yeah he well, no, like, he just looked very dehydrated, <laughs> like, cutting, he looked all, like, I don't know, yeah, didn't look right. I don't know, what do I know? <laughs> 
You're little, wrong. very little, very from, little. Judging from the audience reaction. Uh, yeah, I've very, got to say. Uh, speaking of uh, John Wick and Keanu Reeves, what's he going to be in next? He is going to be in uh, Devil in the White City. This is another uh, streaming job. Uh, it's a limited series. This has been kind of knocking around a while. Uh, Leon, so it's based on this book. I'll get into the plot in a little bit. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is an executive producer on this. He actually bought the rights to it. I think it was 2010, and originally it was going to be a Paramount movie. Scorsese was going to direct. Scorsese is still involved as an executive producer. But yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves is this. This is his first like TV project, I think, ever, or else in a very long time. Um, and it basically, it, as I said, it's ba- it tells the story of Daniel H. Burnham. He's a demanding but visionary architect, races to make his American history with the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, and Dr. H. H. Holmes, America's first modern serial killer and the man behind the notorious murder castle built in the fair's shadow. So... Should be pretty interesting if it's anything like John Wick, which is excellent and Keanu's okay. very good. All right, so and it, and it does sound uh, original-ish. A break after that, more wine and hey, I'm Barry Dunn. Now, Fanula, um, James Franco is going to be Fidel Castro. He sure is. Um, this was just announced this week. Uh, it's Miguel Bardem's Elena of Cuba, so it's actually going to f- uh, focus on uh, Castro's daughter, who was obviously a big critic of him and his government. Um, interesting is probably the wrong word, but this is his first project since 2019. He faced uh, a lot of allegations against uh, multiple students from his acting school of mm. sexual misconduct and exploitation. I think he kind of went away for ages, came out and did some podcast basically apologising and acknowledging it for the first time. And this is his first role since. Yeah, it's a shame because the actual movie sounds interesting. As I said, um, it's uh, Anna Villanifana is portraying Alina uh, and uh, the girlfriend has been cast as well. It's uh, Mia Maestro will play Natty uh, Revulta, who was the woman that he had the passion affair with that resulted in Alina. So interesting movie. I just kind of wish it wasn't James Franco, to be honest. But Right. Do you think he should be cancelled forever? I mean, when you use the word cancelled to talk about something like sexual exploitation and misconduct, I'm just a bit like, I think we're conflating two things. But I mean, like, it, there's a level of forgiveness, I think, for men in Hollywood for things. So it's kind of inevitable in a way, I suppose. But we'll see. It will be interesting, again, is the wrong word to use, but it will be interesting to see how the movie plays out and in terms of how it does financially and everything else. Right, we'll but, 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 but presumably they'd make some sort of calculation as to whether he's a liability. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, clearly they've made the call that it's like they can ignore everything that's gone on previously and just be, like, grand. So, I don't know. They probably got him cheap, too. Well, that's the thing, especially when he's been, like, like, he's been lying low for so long. He's been dying to come back. We've seen that, like, he wouldn't have done an interview, uh, you know, kind of apologising otherwise. He wouldn't have been kind Mm. of on that, uh, what's the word, like, reformation campaign to try and reform his character or whatever. So, yeah, I'd say it was, like, and in fairness, he is the spit off him, I will say. Like, it is good casting in that sense. But, yeah, I don't know. Not my it, Was his apology a fulsome apology? Was it one of those, I'm sorry if anybody thought I hurt them kind of apology? I, it, like, I'm not the one to judge that because it wasn't me in the position, but it mm. was like a fairly lengthy apology. Now, it came again after a certain amount of time of silence, but this wasn't just like a one-off. Alle- yeah. These were like multiple, multiple mm. allegations. Yeah, so. there was, after a certain period of unemployment, yeah. suddenly uh, yeah. uh, made him feel a bit more sorry about mm. perhaps what he was doing. Anyway, let's move on to our second wine of the day. Tell us about it, Jean. Okay, our second wine, the red wine this time. Now, we're coming to, uh, pe- allegedly, we're going to be having uh, another heat wave. And so next week, everybody right. will be okay. more than likely getting their barbecues out. And this one, if anybody has taken, this is just pure fruit in a glass. This is the sort of thing you could just sit and sip 
in the back garden when you're having the barbecue. It's super. It's the Marks and Spencers 2020 Rosso Red Puglia. And um, Puglia is down in the south of Italy on the Adriatic coast. They call it the heel of Italy because the peninsula resembles a heel and the other Calabria resembles the, the sole of the boot. So that's why they call it that. But hey, um, this is the equivalent of the uh, it's IG. Tea, which is the Italian for country wine from a specified area. In other words, the grape that this is made from is not indigenous to the area. Um, Salice Peninsula, everybody, uh, Primitivo is the big grape there, and it makes those big, powerful wines. And Negromaro is another red grape, and they make big, beefy wines. This is made from Sangiovese. Now, Sangiovese is the red grape of Tuscany, which they make Chianti from. So it's a much lighter... and, and Sangiovese is a grape variety that's actually quite similar to Pinot Noir. It's that lighter style of grape. And the only, in a blind tasting, sometimes the only way you can tell the difference is that most Italian red grapes tend to be quite acidic. So if you get a, a Pinot or a Sangiovese and there's more acidity in the Sangiovese, so that's, that's how you know you're in Sangiovese country. So there's a really good um, uh, winemaker called Marco Lachame, and he specializes in, in making very fruit-forward wines. And he's the guy who's made this particular wine. Um, he's using Sangiovese, he's growing it down on the Adriatic coast, and it's very modern style red, fresh, lots of acidity, tons of cherry fruit. The one thing I, I also want to mention about both this wine and the white wine is the ABV on this is only 12%, and the alcohol in the white wine was only 11.5. And one of the big trends in the market at the moment, people are looking for lower alcohol wine. They're watching, you know, they, the first thing people are doing when they're going to shop is looking at the back labels to see what the ABV is. So you could enjoy a couple of glasses of this, and at 12%, it's not going to absolutely blow you away. So it's, it's got a lot going for it. It's got lots of cherry fruit. Um, the price, it's nine euro, which is great value. And as I say, um, when you get the barbecue out next week, when we're all baking in, in, in yet another, um, you know, heat wave, uh, nothing like when it gets slightly cooler in the evening, put the, the, the whatever, the burgers or whatever you're cooking and pour yourself glasses and be lovely. I always wondered about that. This is 12%, say, and you can get a wine that's 15%. Does that mean like you're, you'll be 3% less pissed uh, when you drink it? <laughs> And you know what? You'll thank yourself yeah, the yeah. next morning because you'll thing? actually <laughs> be, you'll feel, you'll feel, in fact, I, I, my sister was in the car with me and, and we were having a conversation on the way down and she said she actually went out and bought a lower um, uh, uh, ABV wine the other night and she was sipping and she said, oh, I felt great the next day, you know, so it does make a difference. Yes, it does. Uh, you need to talk so to your sister about her drinking. Okay. <laughs> uh, right, so I, uh, finally, Fanula, there's... I know you're here to do uh, movie reviews, but you may, you, sure. you, you may have heard about this. A movie called Nope. Yes. Mm. What is it? Neil's new horror movie. I kind of don't want to say too much in case, because it's not out here yet. Um, and I feel like the less you know, the better going into it. But Jordan Peele's obviously, uh, he did Get Out, he did Us. Um, very good horror director. Um, it's about aliens, is all I'll say. But it's like Daniel Kaluuya again. Kiki Palmer is an absolute star in it. Um, it was good. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as saying it was great or as good as his other works, which is really hard because obviously Get Out was such a smash and you're automatically going to compare. Um, but it is very watchable. 
I would say if you're planning a cinema trip over the next two weeks, I would consider it. But it was one of those movies, you know, where you kind of leave and you're like, that was good. And you're in the car and then you start thinking about things. Mm -hmm. And you're a bit like, hmm. Anyway, aliens, essentially. That's kind of all you need to know going into it. Don't know anything else. It's it's very, very good. Okay, I love the way you kind of mimicked driving when you were telling us about that. Have you you seen it, Brian? Yeah, I saw it yesterday. All right, so everyone's seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Okay. See, there's not really Did you drive there too? No, I, yeah. <laughs> I cycle. Yeah. I cycle. I got a train. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> weep, weep. Um, ink. Uh, no, I saw this. Yeah, I would agree with the, it, it. It's kind of, it's deflated. The ending is deflating, but I think it's on purpose. It's okay. kind of meant to be like that. And obviously, like, yes, it's about aliens, but like, because it's Jordan Peele, there's a lot of subtext underneath it. There's a lot of like commentary on our kind of current state or whatever. I mean, Get Out was really about like kind of, you know, cultural appropriation in America. Us was about like Trump and the idea of like the people standing next to you could hold the worst kind of uh, views and whatever. This. And again, when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's really kind of about the idea of, I guess, you know, consumer content. You know, that kind of the Mm. idea of like, we're just taking in everything. We're just sucking everything in with no context. That we're seeing all these like horrible and wonderful things. But then it's just like onto the next thing. Like I was, as I was watching it and when I walked out of it, I was thinking of that um, James Webb telescope afterwards. Like that was the most wonderful scientific breakthrough of the last 100 years and then like a week later everyone's like okay well we're on to you know something else now and Mm. it's just we just like constantly wash through these things and we don't kind of appreciate the impossible of it and I think that's what it's about but I mean look Wow. You, know, you can watch it. You can watch it and uh, just appreciate it for it being uh, like a horror film or whatever. And then you can appreciate the kind of the deeper kind of layers. That, yeah, visually it's very deep, good. Man. And when it's when it's freaky, it's quite freaky. Oh yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. Like he's yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, like that constant sense of dread, which yeah. I love because I'm a masochist. But like just constantly feeling like something's going to happen. You have that with this. Okay, now that the entire audience is on a total downer. Uh, we'll <laughs> Uh, thanks to Gene McGuinness, Gene Smallin, Fanolo Jones and Brian Lloyd. Uh, uh, big, always a big production team uh, on these kind of things because obviously we're uh, out of the office. So we have to say thanks to Aoife Fricker and all the staff here at the Osprey Hotel, to our friends at Marks and Spencer, to the production team, Ashling Moore, Sinead Keogh, Claire Collins, Stephen McLoon, Paul Buckland, Ben Griffin, Damien Farrell, Rachel Horgan and Josh Maher. That's our lot for today. Kieran's up next on News Talk. You have a lovely weekend. Movies and Booze, I'm Moncrief, on News Talk.